Hello, everybody. It's Friday night, and that means it's time for the Weekender once again, as we take a deep dive into the tabletop gaming and hobby news that's caught our eye throughout the past seven days. Take a look at some World War II games, both miniature and card, alongside some comic book cauldron fun with Slonya from Warlord Games, and a host of other bits and pieces to keep you tantalised and on the edge of your seats. On top of all of that, courtesy of the UK Games Expo, we also have a copy of Fantasy Flight Games' Marvel Champions card game to give away. One lucky subscriber will be taking that home. If you comment below and if you can share us around, you may be in with a chance to win that. Otherwise, sit back, relax, because your weekend starts here. Hello everybody and welcome to another fun-filled weekend packed full of all the usual gaming goodness and miniature mayhem that you've come to know and love. Uh, before we get stuck into the show proper, a couple of little teeny tiny updates, tiny ones, well actually two massive ones, but you know, there you go. <laughs> um, obviously we're only two weeks away now no, no, yeah. from Very UK close. Games Expo. coming around. Mm. Uh, so if you do fancy <clears throat> coming along and seeing us there and buying me drink, uh, then you're more than welcome. I'm very, <laughs> very easily bribed, uh, but you need to pick up your tickets fairly sharply. So there's tickets available for family or individual tickets for the whole weekend or individual days, depending on what you fancy going to. And uh, if you can't make it, which would be a terrible shame, but if you can't, you'll still be able to follow along at home because we'll be doing live streams throughout the weekend uh, and the usual interviews and reviews with uh, anybody. We can live hunts on. And stuff, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we will hunt them down uh, and winkle out of them things. all <laughs> of their information. Uh, so if there's anything in particular that you want to see or anybody you know is going to be. Yeah, definitely expo, let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah, especially if it's, if it's something more esoteric or unusual that we might not think about. So we'll if, send if, free to go hunt it down. If you've <laughs> heard of a weird board game or card game that's Lord of the Rings adjacent, then yeah, I'm pretty certain free will know about that already. But uh, other things beyond that, let us know. And otherwise, we will see you in two weeks at that. Other big piece of news uh, is Nova and their charitable foundation. Uh, so yeah. obviously, with everything that's been happening of late, um, We've got a very widespread community who are also a charitable bunch when you get right down to it. And Cromlech contacted Nova to see if there was any way that they could uh, help out or raise some money. Uh, so they've put together a charity raffle um, in conjunction with Nova, where the proceeds are all going to uh, various charities that are helping out in Ukraine. Uh, and there's a whole host of stuff available in there, from yeah. dioramas to individual to large models like one you might recognize mm -hmm. <laughs> um and they've they've literally dragged through uh named and famous people from across the industry to do stuff for them including and this is one of my favorite bits here a bit of paul bonner original artwork yeah yeah uh, you know that doesn't come along i think it's pretty amazing um so the raffle started this week 
and it runs until the 16th of June, I want to say. It's like a month. Um, yeah, so, something like that. So if you're interested in, in picking up any of these um, stunning pieces of work, uh, then you can chuck a, a few dollars towards Nova and, uh, yeah. and help out a very worthy cause. Yeah, so you, you, you'll go on to each of the individual items. It'll have a rundown of the information that um, pertains to them, and then there'll be a sort of add to cart button, and that'll get you the ticket for that particular miniature so that you might get drawn to win that. And, of course, you're giving money to good causes, which is the uh, the main thing of this anyway as well. But you get a nice miniature out of it as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> if you're the winner. So, yeah, if I'd, you're the winner, yeah. I'd look at that. I mean, that's really nicely painted, but mine's much bigger. <laughs> I just have to do this. They have done videos for all of the miniatures as well, by the yeah. way. Comes um, with a smoke machine in that one. That's why it's called Smokey. So <laughs> it really does. Smoke yeah. and light. Yeah. The other white mate. Look at its belly cannon go. I mean, it may not be the best painted that you can win out there, but it's got a whole thing all of its own. I will point out that they've put the arms on back to front from how I painted it. <laughs> but then those are modular, so you can swap them around either way. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So look, look at me. I'm famous. It says so below in the text. It says internationally famous me. Uh, <laughs> nobody was more surprised than I was because I'm fairly certain I wasn't internationally famous. But there you go. Very big in Scandinavia. Hey, I, I bigged you up in the blurb that we sent over. Is, is that what it was? So, yeah, yeah, wrote, yeah, oh, that makes yeah, sense yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> no, he may, he, he's not one of the best, but he's tall. Have we mentioned how tall he is? There's a tremendous sense of value. It makes it. a great difference. Yeah. yeah. So if you want a chance to win what is potentially a monumental orky prize. The raffle ticket for that's ten dollars, and there were also uh, KRs doing a um, custom case fit for case it, for it as well. So yeah, all bells, all whistles, and a great cause with a whole host of spectacular paint uh, painters have got involved, and me. So you know, <laughs> there's a, a lot to see there. I really like that. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the the comic book style Hulk. Yeah. A genuinely good cause, obviously, mm. and um, uh, it's just a nice way to, you know, throw a couple of bucks towards charity and also be, you know, in with the potential of winning something fun at the same time as well. So, so and as you say, we're all charitable, a charitable bunch of heart. Yeah. And as Woodward said at the beginning to the original Battleground series, gamers are always really nice chaps. So, <laughs> that is good old Edward Woodward. So, yeah. <laughs> If you yeah. take all the D's out. <laughs> there we have it. So yeah, um, you've you've got a month essentially if you want to uh, donate to good cause and be with a chance to win some spanking miniatures as well. Uh, then you should check out Nova. Uh, the links are on our little doobly doo below anyway, yeah. so you can see it from there. Uh, but to get the show kicked off properly, it's the most important part of the week and of the show. It's time for the indie of the week. That. Oh. This week, people's <laughs> eardrums have not been blasted. Well done, us. Uh, and this one is um, a French sculptor. Um, he's worked for a variety of uh, companies over the years doing like wreckage and uh, relic miniatures and stuff like that. Very sort of heavily influenced by everybody's favorite French company, Rackham. Uh, but he went from painting miniatures to deciding to give sculpting a chance um, and then eventually set up his own little company, Enor, or Enor? Mm. Depends how you want to pronounce that. And this is, it's not a massive range, but there's some excellent bits and pieces in here and he generally 
um, runs dual casting, so metal and resin, because people are fickle. We know this. People are very fickle. Um, so they don't always like the uh, the resin. Well, that's fine. You can get the metal or vice versa. Um, but the quality of the sculpts is absolutely amazing. We Good see here, stuff. look, another week, another barbarian with their nipples out. Good times. <laughs> you can't escape them. No, you really can't. Um, so the, uh, I'm going to butcher his name because French, and therefore you cover half of the letters and only pronounce what vowels you can see. But it's, I think it's like Sylvan uh, Quiron is the, the sculptor's name. So hasn't been doing it for particularly long, like 10 years. Um, but I, I absolutely adore his sculpting style, and it just screams. It screams Rackham to me so much. It really does, yeah. Um, especially whenever you see some of the other things like this, the wandering priest. I mean, he could have stepped from Cadwallon, which I'm just definitely got that vibe of. going on. That's for sure. Yeah, him creeping through the streets looking for people to butcher. I mean, heal. He's, he's a nice, nice bishop. Of course, of course. Of course yeah. he is. But there's just so much character in the sculpts as well. Yeah. Let's go back to what's on. Let me see if I can pick out some ones. Mm. The uh, barbarian warrior there on the right looks pretty cool. This one? That one there, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the witch and the cat is also pretty awesome. I like the look of that one. This one or the trainee? That, the one below. The, the trainee. Yeah, yeah. Which one? Oh, I can't remember which way. Where does the where do the names go for these? I have a sneaking suspicion that um, Google Translate has helped by moving things. Okay, right, yeah. But we'll have a look at the witch and the cat. Yeah. That's, That's an interesting, so nice and interesting staff. Yeah. If it's like a hand sort of yeah. reaching up, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's Miniac's logo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. That's really nice stuff. I like the um, the sculpting of the proportions of the characters. Mm. It's slightly more realistic, which I think is yeah. quite nice. But then you've got this. It, it's more realistic on some characters, but then in other cases, it's like they've blown out particular elements of the model to make they've, them to emphasize them, which is kind of nice. Yeah, like the the barbarian has the heroic musculature. Yeah, but yeah. the 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 witch here has like that very yep. slender. I don't eat a lot human look. Yeah. So you got yeah, some, like a very sort of like normal style head and then like proper full on proper style. style. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really cool. Yeah. He didn't skip leg day anyway. No. Yeah. And then again, I mean, because this will just be for people who remember some of the Rackham stuff, but he just screams like he should be one of the Droon. Yeah, especially yeah. with that axe. Yeah. And again, I'm 100% on board with that choice stylistically. And these are all hand sculpted as well, aren't they? Rather than yeah. CAD or anything. So, yeah. yeah, he's a a sculptor of the old school, shall we say? So <laughs> with green stuff and bees putty. In fact, you can you can buy bees you can putty buy on that his website. Story, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if you do plan on getting into any actual sculpting yourself. Okay, so there you can see the variation between the resin and the the metal versions then as well. Mm. That's cool. You've got a nice set of models that could be used as sort of like your adventuring party, or if you're going to be playing Frostgrave or something, you could use these to sort of step in as characters and things. Mm -hmm. It's quite nice. Yeah. yeah. 
thief, barbarian, wizards, priests, mm. and even a bard at the back with a, a harp, I think. <laughs> Yeah. The worst type of character, the bard. Depending on how you paint some of those as well, you could use them for forbidden psalms as well. So the the Merkburg sort of twist on skirmish games, especially that guy. <laughs> the old hermit. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I actually made a, uh, I think I showed you my, my, my Merkburg miniatures. I made that a Jerry in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why the old hermit made me think of that. But, uh. Wait, <laughs> I'm I'm curious to um, like I'm going to ask you to w- would you prefer the resin or the metal? Oh, and why? It's an interesting I, question. Yeah, I think it depends how many parts they come in. <laughs> if they're like one or two part, then metal. Mm. If they're more than that, then the resin. I think. Um, also, I find metal easier to clean uh, for the most part with just a knife, I think, because uh, there's the brittleness sometimes of resin that you've got to worry about occasionally. Yeah. Uh, but I, So I think I'd prefer metal if it came in like one or two parts. But if it's much more than that, then probably resin, I think, mm-hmm. uh, just for the, the sake, the ease of gluing it all together. <laughs> so. I'm honestly... I could go either way, to be brutally honest. I really like, I'm, I will often pick resin stuff up if I think I'm just going to have it to own it and paint it um, because the crispness of the, it, yeah. of the casting is generally right up there. Um, metal casting is is excellent. You've that got guy. that heft to it as well, uh, but sometimes you'll lose a little bit mm. of the detail, although never a huge amount. But you'll always see slightly more in a resin, in a good resin cast, than you will in a a metal sculpt. I do like the heft. I also like the fact he's using a sword as a punch sword dagger, a, a just punch day, yeah. belted yeah. onto his vambrace there. That's really cool. I dread to think what happened to the poor fellow who got hit. These would be really great for a game we're going to talk about in the news. <laughs> mm. The Seeker, actually. I think the uh, the aesthetic of these looks really good. There you go. There's a te- there's a teaser for what's to come. But yeah. <laughs> Those are amazing. I love those. Yeah, this was his most recent. He does little Kickstarters to fund the um, the casting side of it. Mm-hmm. So occasionally it, he'll pop up with something. Yeah. And you're just going, oh, that's that's excellent. I can't wait to see. So mm. you can sort of see a development over Brilliant. time with the fantasy stuff. Yeah. The Ogres, I mean, the Ogre set is, is one of my favorites. It. He's done the Orcs as well. We'll see the Orcs in a bit. Wow. He's got a pick. What about you, John? Are you a resin or a metal person? Um, I'm sort. Of, I sort of lean with you, Ben. Like I, you know, if there, if there's a lot of parts, I I would have said resin would be the way to go. I'm also because I'm more a painter. I look more quickly to a resin model hmm. because I know if I well if I drop a metal model, I'm going to have to repaint the part that chips because it's going to chip. Where there's yeah, le- there's kind of a less of a chance of a resin. Well, a resin won't bend. A resin will snap. And when resin snaps, it's a cleaner break yeah. to, to fix. So there shouldn't really be any repainting around that if you've watched yeah. and prepped the model. Um, so yeah, generally, I, I would lean to, to a resin more than, more than metal. Mainly because I don't want to have to repaint anything if it chips. That's that's it, really. I love that guy's got bit bottles stuffed in his pants. Stuffed in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know... 
that he, the, the fact that his butt will keep them in places. <laughs> oh, and just that, the detail in that beard is amazing. Oh, wow. And I, li- I love the idea of using that as kind of like a an alternative encounter model in like a skirmish game or a role-playing game where normally when you're facing off against like an ogre or something, you'd be like, oh, it's automatically an enemy. You need to kill him. Yeah. Whereas this guy's like, no, no, this guy just lives in the woods. <laughs> just leave Can him alone. <laughs> yeah. All he wants to do is harvest enough um, lumber for the local village to keep him supplied exactly, yeah. in whiskey and beer throughout the winter. And why send three men to cut down a tree when an ogre can do it in one hit? Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> These are amazing as well. Ogre, more, is these more ogre warriors? Yeah, it's more ogre yeah. warriors. Yeah, because sometimes right. you need more ogre warriors. The the amount of character in each sculpt is just great. It's not something you get out of a, a multi part plastic kit, that's for sure. Yeah. The other thing as well that I always like about these is that the more detail you throw into these, the easier they are to paint in many mm. regards, mm. because they do the thing that Warren's always said, where like as long as you get the base colors down, and then you just apply a good wash. Yep. Most of the time it will work <laughs> and it'll pick out all the nooks and crannies in the model and it'll look amazing with very little effort needed, which I think is really cool. So, yeah, whereas wow. I, yeah. some people would be tempted to overpaint it, mm-hmm. I think, and I agree with Warren, you just get the base colors down and then get your detail with your, your washes yeah. and, and highlighting and you're done. It's different taking an orc. I am a sucker for a cloak, a good cloak. Is 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 a is something that sells a model for me as well because it means that when you're painting the back of the model, you don't actually have to do that much. You just you just do the cloak <laughs> <laughs> and focus on the front. Especially um, if it's a, a nice cloak with a big symbol embossed yeah, on the back. Yeah. An orc patrol, you say, sir? Really nice, like spindly orcs as well. Which is yeah. really nice. The way that I approach those as well is that you could almost go down the route of not necessarily painting them in that kind of traditional green. You could go for like either like a muted earthy tone or maybe something like a red or a blue. I think we work quite nicely with those because mm-hmm. they have almost like a little bit of a devilish quality to them as well, which is quite cool. You could you could lean into the realism a bit more and go down the line of the Lord of the Rings or Yeah, yeah. I corrupted elves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You don't make them all green skinned, you just make them sort of uh model because a lot of them have modelly weird coloured very pale and stuff. Like he's saving an he's rescuing an animal <laughs> from that farm that's just spontaneously combusted yeah. and all the residents died. Good guy orc. <laughs> Those are really cool. Mm. Ah. I mean, you you said he had a small range, but I mean this is pretty pretty broad. Oh, yeah, like it, if it's, he's not been out it long. It's it's uh it's getting there. Mm. We'll put it like that. It's getting there. There's a couple oh, more yeah. orc characters. See things like this. I think because we've got so we've had so much of like an influx. I mean, it's always they've always it's always been there, but we've we've had a much more of an influx. I think of skirmish games recently over the last couple of years, where you tend to then not necessarily collect an army, but have like a handful of models be you know the center of your attention. Mm-hmm. And having like slightly more bespoke ranges like this, pick these up immediately. You've got a use for them in, in games. Whereas yeah. before you might have seen these as effectively just display pieces, as you were talking about earlier. Now these could actually have a use on the gaming table. And, you know, the fact that um, they, they've done this as, you know, a war band, a raiding party yeah. makes them immediately usable as well, which is always handy. So yeah, you there's, there's no, there's no <laughs> shortage of skirmish games for you to play with. Play in, yeah, play you with don't need that. to worry about uh, having units of 20 or 30 or 40. Yeah, yeah. You know, having 
half a dozen models is enough to make a, an interesting bulk of your force, and then you can just add in some leaders and a few archery types. Mm -hmm. the, the rise of uh, so many miniature agnostic game systems as yes. well is, yeah. is a big a big encouragement to this sort of thing as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. We might be seeing a resurgence of the, the small sculptor getting a lot more exposure than they used to. Mm, definitely, I think so. I think that's quite nice. I think nowadays as well is that you, like, I think a lot more people are looking towards these more hand-sculpted models. Mm. Yeah. And then they get picked up by larger companies. Like well, I say, larger companies, but like Boris does a lot of his. Well, obviously, he does hand sculpted stuff, and then Westphalia then sort of mm. sends those out to people. So there are avenues for people who create these smaller ranges to get them out there. And I mean, obviously, uh, Silver's doing a, a fantastic job here with these, but uh, <laughs> just on themselves. But it's it's uh, this is this is why we do Indie of the Week so that people yeah. will see these amazing miniatures and. I and, uh, I think it would be nice for it, like because. Jerry and I have been talking about one-page rules a lot in the, mm. the past, in, in the recent time with the Raging Heroes project. And yeah. um, I would I would love to see stuff like you know, one-page rules does a recommended, you know, or and mm. a, a miniatures agnostic rule set gives you miniature companies that they like the style yeah. of that 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 their style fits with would be cool. Yeah, you know, give give you an idea because if you're shopping for stuff, you're not necessarily going to know unless you watch every indie of the week. <laughs> um, where some of these companies are and where some of these miniatures are. Yeah. You know, so a, a cool recommended list or for each game system would be kind of fun. I saw that with, um, uh, there was a uh, Viking inspired sort of heavy metal game that yeah, came Ragnarok. out. Ragnarok. Ragnarok that came out a couple of years ago. <laughs> and that in there, they had a thing at the back of the book where it was like, these are all the miniatures we've used for this. You don't have to use these, but these are like the ones that we think fit our aesthetic. Yeah. I think that's a key thing you're saying, John, like, like mm. this is the aesthetic of our game. If you want things that match it, go and check out these kind of things. So. Yeah. Well, they used to do that. I mean, depending on the company, you'll sometimes get that. Um, mm -hmm. Weirdly, Warhammer Ancient Battles, when, when Games Workshop allowed them to do that, the back of the book was just, here's all the the miniatures we use and the companies we got them from. Yep. Um, and I've got a few World War II rule sets that are the same going, you know, here's the places where I got my bits and pieces from. It's a really nice troll. Boom. Yeah. I love that you've got the, like, slightly more standard look and feel of a troll. And then mm. you've got where they've gone off in different directions with them as well. So they've they've really taken the ability to be like, Let's just try and work out exactly how to make exactly. each troll feel unique and different. So, but yeah. keeping Give the troll the builders, but aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> They've all got the Bradford smile. Oh, he's got different floppy ears. Hello, that's more GW Stone Troll look. Like a yeah, an old school Stone Troll, mm -hmm. yeah, but with a more classic face, which I think is quite nice. Wow, the half giant. Yeah. He's Let's not think about what color. he halved with. That's, uh, <laughs> That's uh, yeah. We weren't, but then you brought it up. <laughs> you mind out the giant gutter. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful looking monster, certainly. And then you've got things like this. Goblin. The, the actual little goblin collection. Wow. Wow, wow. indeed. And again, not the usual take on them. 
Yeah, there's some kind of like more dog face style looking, yeah. looking ones in there as well, which is quite nice. A bit sort of um, labyrinthy and stuff. Oh, yeah, lab- very Brian yeah. Froud. Yeah. Yeah. These are brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the th- I didn't even know these exist as well. So look, these, uh, look at the knights yeah. with his little antlers on him. The green knight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, say nothing. That is a beautiful wizard. It really is. He's got a book of spells from somewhere. Creepy fellow. I don't know how these work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe it's... Um, the sort of the classic, the goblins are the clever ones, and the orcs, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. the orcs are just there as muscle, doing what they're told. I like that. I do like that idea of like this being the people that actually rule rule the kingdom, and the orc raiding parties is that because they are just the big dumb brutes. I don't yeah. know it's very funny. druidic with the sickle. It is, yeah, and a, a, a horned rat skull as a hat. Mm. Goblins, yeah, because they're actually town guard. Yeah. <laughs> See, makes sense. Yeah. Why do all the heavy lifting when you've got idiots to do it for you? Well, there's an idiot. No idiot. <laughs> Why are you dragging a bell? Where are you going with that? We need have to they, know where you are at every, at every turn, Glob Rot. <laughs> well, all I can think now is they've got a horned rat skull and he's got a bell. Have they just killed up Beaten a up bunch some of Skaven? Yeah. Just <laughs> looting all their stuff. Yeah. But even then, within the, uh, within the range, there's exceptions he's got more sort of a um, gummy bears goblin he does yeah, yeah. With the really he looks so spindly and gaunt as well got like yeah. that golem energy going on <laughs> he's a happy uh, man with a cleaver what's quite nice about this then it like it kind of shows like that all goblins don't need to be the same kind yeah. of thing like we normally i mean i guess we're used to just mass battle where all the goblins just look like the same goblin wearing different clothes yes <laughs> Whereas this is like there is varied in their look and look, feel build and as statue, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you've got everyone from sort of tall, spindly to short yeah. and fat. Some goblins do eat all the pies, and all so. points in between. Yeah, he wishes he was uh, big enough to get to the pie before the pie got <laughs> taken away. I've always wanted to role play a goblin thief in D and D. Uh-huh. And I always thought about getting the, is it the sneaks from Mantic for that? Yeah. But I think these look amazing. Oh, I'll yeah. have to go for this, one of these. Yeah. And I also like the, I mean, clearly there's things like a Night Goblin-esque aesthetic with the tall hat there and the bone through it. Yeah. So you can see influences coming from Rackham and coming from GW and coming from, I think that's Friar Tuck. So, you know, <laughs> there's just this melding of what, uh, Sylvan's take on yeah. a goblin is and it, it's generic but at the same time it feels like it lives somewhere Yeah, it's not generic to the point of nondescriptness I mean again there's another a weird wacky tall spindly goblin you know, mm-hmm. and a long face on him yeah I think I think you're, you're, you're spot on with that kind of thing look he's got a bone ha <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, it's got that feel of, as you say, like generic, but has a place. So you could use it in pretty much any fantasy world, but then it all feels like they knit together quite nicely. As it, so when you build your warband, they feel like a coherent mass rather than just mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, I found some goblins online. <laughs> That's a really cool collection. Really good. Um, there are. But it's a bit cheap as well, actually. <laughs> well, in the grand scheme of things, 
resin's well, more expensive. Not, yeah. <laughs> resin's more expensive than the um the metal, so uh if I find the metal version of the warband. Yeah, you're saving yourself about thirty quid. Yeah. yeah. So and each individual figures are like what five euros, so like yeah. four or five quid as well. So yeah. Very small blacksmith. With a very big hammer. <laughs> um horror is relatively small. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of sort of modern day horror y type things with some wombies. Use those for uh uh Black Sites game. Um, yeah. That I forgot the name of. <laughs> I'm with you. Don't, don't look back. back. Don't look back. <laughs> Good for Don't Look Back. Good for um oh a studio Beauty miniatures. miniatures. Have a yeah. Zombie game as well, yeah. Or just, you know. Crooked dice or just a half? <laughs> just a half. Everybody just wants some random zombies. He looks wrong. He's not right. <laughs> Even have a butcher. Is this some survivors? Is this the little collection in Toto? Oh, it is. I mean, the businessman with the hockey stick. Barney Stinson with a hockey stick. <laughs> you think Barney Stinson? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's. Adjusting the tie. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Barney, what well, is your what is your role in the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, and then the last one are the aliens, mm. which is a terrible shame that Lud isn't here. Oh, they're greys. They oh are greys. Oh my god. <laughs> Those are amazing. Space Pirate. With oh, my God. Oh, God. That's great. Flintlock Space Laser. Wow. <laughs> Ta-da. Oh, he's living his best life. He really is. Universal, universal genius. <laughs> Brilliant. I bet there's a board game somewhere that could really use these, I reckon. Yeah. Or just some crooked dice or something. Yeah, but, crooked yeah. dice is probably the way to go. Yeah. Remember, there was it. I want to say it was kill all humans or destroy all humans. Destroy all humans. Yeah. Surely, video at some point, here. somebody should have made a uh, video game, board game adaptation of that. Oh, cool! They got the priest as well, so you can do both sides. Oh yeah, Kalima. <laughs> That needs to be painted uh, as a crystal must... skull, though, surely. No, no. So. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? What movie was that? I don't know. There, oh, there yeah, was, I forgot that. There I was, that there was, was no made, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I don't even know where he's... Crystal skull, what? Hmm? I heard there was a movie with Shia LaBeouf in it that didn't turn out so well, so... Da-da-da. I mean, why would you not have Grey's in that sort of look? Little Cthulhu statues as well. Very cool. What an awesome little range that is. Yep. And I mean, why not just go ahead and just dump 40 quid on it? Get the lot. See if there's any messing around. (laughs) That'll be on uh, Lloyd's wish list. That pirate's just great. Really is. Mm. I I love Tony Cthulhu. Yeah. Idol, because that's always good. It's always a great, good. a great, uh, a great pick, Jerry. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And also, if you if you fancy sculpting, there is bees putty. By your own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for uh, for those of you at home 
thinking about getting involved in sculpting. The interesting thing about Bees Buddy is it doesn't cure like green stuff. It's it has to be baked. It's like a sculpty type thing, so you can do a lot of fine detail, get it right, and then stick it in the oven and then layer stuff on top of it. Just throwing it out there yeah, if you want okay. to. Um he has a blog, by the way. Uh, if people are interested in seeing more of Sylvan's work from going way back in time and up to... I'll leave that down below as well. Yeah, so. uh, it's Area 51 Minis. Uh, but we'll Makes sense with all the greys. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> that's where it started. That, those, yeah. And you can tell that, I mean, they're very generic grey aliens, so very easy to sculpt because it's just big eyes, big head, three fingers, you know. And then, But if you contrast that with 10 years later... Those oh gosh, yeah. Goblins, trolls, and ogres. You're going, oh, we see the development here. <laughs> you know, it's, but yeah, there you go. So that's Eonor Miniatures. Uh, let us know what you think below, folks. We're going to take a quick swish, and when we come back, we'll be looking at the news. Coming to you from the center of Northwestern Europe. Covering board games, war games, card games, and all that sh you love. It's the news. <laughs> okay, so we're back with the news, and where are we kicking off this week, Ben? Uh, so we're kicking off with a little bit of historical goodness. Um, I know pretty much nothing about this. I basically just copy what Flames of War put on their website. So, <laughs> well, Battlefront put on their website. So, John, if you could take us through what we're seeing here for the new bulge German pre-orders, that would be yeah. cool, and no one will shout at me. So... <laughs> Uh, the Bulge book has been a, a book that's been delayed for quite a while, and now we're finally getting it because we we got the Bulge American book last year, uh, which brought us so much interesting stuff. A lot of the late war toys come into play, um, particularly with the Americans getting some really cool stuff like Pershings and whatnot. Um, in this one, with the, the German book, we're getting a whole range of um, new armor and infantry uh, for your tabletop, particularly... We're finally seeing the big cats, the really big cats coming out in plastic. We're getting a, a King Tiger kit. We're getting a Yag Tiger kit, which are all in plastic. Uh, we've got new stuff for um, artillery and uh, small tank destroyers like the Hummel and the Hornies are coming in plastic. Uh, we've got some Panzer Grenadiers coming as well with uh, 251 half tracks in the starter box, uh, as well as eventually, I'm not sure it's in this release cycle or not, but there is new plastic half tracks coming as well, oh, cool. uh, which have new new weapon options, new layouts, that sort of thing. This box here, uh, the uh, heavy tank hunter uh, camp group, I have already unboxed. I don't know when it's Ooh. coming out, but I have had it in my hands. And the the only real thing that's new in this box, plastic kit wise, is the the hornies and the hummels yeah. at the back there. Uh, these kits are really nicely engineered, really easy to put together. If you're a bit clever with your magnetization, you're going to get both variants uh, if you're just a little clever with how you put the kits mm -hmm. together. Um, I also say this in the unboxing with the Yag Panther, because the mm -hmm. Yag Panther is a two sprue kit that has enough parts to do Panther G as well as Yag, uh, Yag Panther. Again, if you're clever with your build, you can get both vehicles out of that. So. Uh, what I wanted to stress in the unboxing for this um, box set was the versatility of the kits hmm. because you're able to change things out. Like the um, the Ostwinds that are on the, the box cover, you can build them as verbal winds with the quad 20 millimeter as well. The, those turrets are completely self-contained parts and yeah. they, they go together really well. Um, 
so you have your panther yag panther box as well here again like i said if you're clever you can make it as five of one or five of the other yeah, it's lower track and lower, lower or sorry hull and lower tra- lower hull and tracks. lower hull lower hull tracks backplate and exhausts are universal across both vehicles yeah. and then you have enough parts across the two sprues that can combine the kit to make both variants so you do get uh plenty out of the kit very cool yeah. mm. i don't know if i need any more <laughs> I think you need you you want the the Hummel Hornies kit. I do because I, I I currently only have grill grills as my artillery. Yeah, and um, again another very good kit. Uh, they've they've engineered it in such a way that it's easy to put together and easy to work with. Um, I'm actually I'm thinking I'm not sure if I want to put one of the new King Tigers under the the painting table or if mm-hmm. I want to put one of these under the painting table. I'm I'm sat with options. So plenty of options. Always good. Mm. King Tigers in plastic, finally. It's about time because we've had plastic tiger ones for ages. We've had plastic panthers for ages. Now we're getting these in plastic as well. And <laughs> it's just great. Like it's it's not the same as the likes of the Panther Yag Panther. You can't make a Yag Tiger with this box. It's just mm. the this the kits are individual uh sets. Do they have um, the two turret types, or is it specifically done for the... It's just the that. Yeah. It's just that turret. Um, I, honestly, I, I would have kind of liked them to have done the the earlier, mm. the initial production turret as well, but this is the one that was built the most of. This is the one yeah. that you see most of in, in the archive footage and the photographs, so it only makes sense to do this as the, the main run plastic. Uh, but in general... I'm I'm happy with it because it's bringing the late war back in into the four for Flames mm-hmm. of War. That's where all the big toys are. Um, as much as a lot of people are saying, you know, early war is the most balanced because every force is kind of on the same level. Mid-war is where you start to see the change a little bit and late war is where the Germans become low numbers but highly effective, whereas the, the Allies become high numbers and fairly effective yeah. or more effective. Um, I've always enjoyed late war. I think a lot of people do as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes next. Did you get you, the... Oops, sorry, go on. I was going to say, did you get the Bulge book to have a look at, or has it just been the yeah, miniature so far? I have the book, but I haven't properly had a go through uh, it yet. Usually that's reserved for me and Chris, but Chris is very hard to pin down at the minute. So Terrible. <laughs> yeah, we're working on that. Something in the book, they said that they've, they've redone a scenario... I'm going to say, is his name Piper's Charge? Piper, Piper, Piper's yeah. Charge. Yeah. And I, look, I was looking at it, and I found an old PDF of it, and it looks pretty cool. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, can you give like a sparked notes of of that? Because it seems like a fun scenario that they've put in there. Um, from what I remember, Piper led the heavy tank assault during the Battle of the Bulge. Um, mm-hmm. He was part of the, I want to say, first SS at the time. I think Piper was first SS. Could be. Um, but leader of one of the heavy tank battalions that sort of um was part of the forces that surrounded bastone and tried to push on uh through the ardennes towards the big port antwerp that was the whole objective of the of this winter offensive was to take antwerp because they thought if they split the allies in two then they're going to start bickering with each other wasn't really going to happen but they did um to, to to sum up the Battle of the Bulge, it was Germany's last throw of the dice. Can we do something that will affect the outcome of the war? And a lot of the generals weren't really convinced, but 
when Hitler said, go do it, they kind of had to go do it at that point. Um, if anything, it shortened the war by several months because of the amount of resources the Germans threw into it. Yeah. Um, they expelled a lot of fuel, a lot of manpower, and a lot of equipment just to, to have a chance at changing their outcome to sort of change the fate a little bit. But unfortunately for them, it didn't work out so well. And uh, it allowed the Allies to really, I think, January 45 and stuff like that is when we started to see the Rhine crossings happening and yeah. things really starting to go the other way. For so it's, a, it's an iconic section of World War II to play out then. Yeah. At this point yeah. And it, 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 ha it also holds the, um, the record of having the worst war movie ever made about it. <laughs> floating um, floating gas barrels is that what you're thinking of floating floating gas barrels and um when the movie was made people were still being shot pirouetting completely bloodless so it, yeah it, 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 <laughs> battle of the bulge does have i mean if anybody's ever heard the panzer lead they've heard it because of the film of battle the movie of yeah, yeah where they only sing the one verse they only sing the one <laughs> verse and um and i have to say the uh the sterling work of uh, were the soviet tanks dressed up as they I wouldn't American. even say dressed up as they, were, they, they did nothing to... They were American patents painted grey. Yeah, yeah they, they did nothing to pretend that they <laughs> were... Tanks are tanks, right, Joe, yeah, uh, John? Yeah, 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 pretty much. They're all yeah. the same. <laughs> Interesting. Tracks yeah. with guns, that's all they yeah. are. Yeah. The, the bulge is <laughs> really fascinating because a lot of the Allied commanders didn't think the Germans would attempt to advance through the Ardennes, despite right. having done exactly that four years previously <laughs> in the yeah. of France say, so, oh, they're not going to bring any vehicles and men through here. I thought it once before. <laughs> if I hadn't been through that, was it the American um, engineers? Yeah. Had a, a ton of dogged defences set up that st stalled the advance and um, the the German Kampfgruppe uh, more or less ran out of fuel. They couldn't get through. The whole point was smash the lines and then resupply from from the American sort of fuel depots and the like, because they yep. just didn't have the resources left themselves anymore. What well, what you find interesting from from an Allied per player's perspective in the bulge is that when the Germans are coming through, they they have that element of 1940s Germany where we are going to move fast, we're going to do our Blitzkrieg again. Problem is they were taking stuff into the Blitzkrieg that wasn't fast enough to keep up with the motorized infantry and that. But what you did find happening, which the American army wasn't really prepared for was um, having units cut off and surrounded while the Germans advanced on. And what you ended up having was a plethora of really interesting, almost last stand kind of battles. You had Bastogne uh, with the 101st Airborne, which was, mm. was done with um, Band of Brothers, covered that pretty well with all the fighting in the snow-covered forests and everything. But you had mixed units, almost American-style Kampfgruppe, where you had bits of the 6th Armored Division um, bits of some tank destroyer battalions mixed in with a bit of uh, artillery regiments and a, a little bit of infantry and just working with whatever they had available in that area to try and stop whatever the Germans oh, wow. were trying to do. Particularly um, Bastogne, because Bastogne cannot be underrated in how important it was strategically. It, had, it carried every main transport thoroughfare through Bastogne towards Germany or back towards Holland and, and Antwerp. So all that main supply, all that fuel, ammunition, food was coming through some of those roads to get into the areas that they were fighting for. So the stand at Bastogne, particularly for the 101st Airborne, was like the moment that made airborne forces really be taken note of as an elite force, not just a, 
a, a unit that you can parachute in behind enemy lines. Yeah. These guys really yeah. proved how elite they could be and how dogged they could be. I don't know if it's in, if it's going to be in the bulge or if it's going to be a separate book, but Otto um, Scorzini, possibly not how that's pronounced, but this is where he had grief, wasn't it? His little, uh, it was the Germans dressed like Americans and they'd yep. taken panthers and stuck bits of plate on the side to make them look like M10s from the side and it changed the, the Stugs pretending to be artillery was particularly poor. Um, yep. I don't know how that was supposed to work, but is, did you, don't, I don't know if you've seen that in the book or not, if that's available. Because they not, have done models for they some have of the, done the Erzatz grouping. Yeah, yeah, they have done the Erzatz grouping before. Um, I haven't had a like I said, I haven't looked through the book properly yet. Yeah. But um, I would say, I would say it would be a very interesting supplement book because they do mm. sometimes bring out these little packs. That's true. For, yeah, like like they did with things. the Italians and the Airborne and stuff like that, yeah. the little tiny booklets. The yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, fascinating stuff. If you're interested yeah. in. Um, and playing out late war, it's a, a great place to start. Uh, a lot of lot of interesting and desperate groups brought together for both yeah. sides. Uh, so plenty of variety and flexibility in there. Mm. What's up Very next, cool. Ben? Uh, so next up, uh, we're looking at something old made new. Um, so this is Return to Dark Tower, which is based on an old board game that some people might remember from the commercials at least, and probably sometimes on people's boards, on people's tabletops, sorry, uh, from 1981. Um, so Return to Dark Tower uh, was a game that was brought up by Restoration Games, who have been um, sort of bringing a whole bunch of classic board games back to the tabletop over the last couple of years. Uh, Rob Davio, Isaac Childress, to name just a couple of the designers uh, sort of dived in on this one. And this is a uh, the news that um, after the successful Kickstarter, which is now shipping out to a lot of people. I believe it's actually going out to UK people fairly soon as well now, which is quite nice, um, that uh, it's going to be coming to retail. Currently, it's only in retail uh, for the US and Canada, uh, but they are working to get it to retail for the rest of the world as well very, very soon. Um, for those who are not familiar with this, <laughs> Return to Dark Tower is an app-assisted board game that also comes with that monolithic... Uh, a electronic tower in the center of the board, which is very akin to the old one <laughs> that a lot of people will know and remember. Uh, and what you do with the game is that it's a cooperative experience, although you can play it co competitively as well if you really want to, uh, where you are working together as heroes, going around the world of the Dark Tower, trying to uh, stop the machinations of the evil villain that lives within it. Uh, and you will have to under undergo quests and go dungeon delving and amass your forces to then take down the big villain uh, once you've been able to complete all those sort of like separate subquests uh, that sort of bring you to the crescendo at the very, very end. Um, the game did absurdly well on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. uh, as you can imagine, it would do. It's a big, huge board game. Um, and uh, it's now looking to do pretty well at retail as well, I would imagine. Uh, the game is actually like I'd, I've I've not played it mm -hmm. uh, and I nearly went on the Kickstarter, but then I stopped myself because it was a lot of money. And it still is a lot of money. <laughs> it's like $190 to play the board game. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a big board game like this in your collection already, maybe this is definitely one to go and pick up, I would suggest. 
Um, the, the app's really well done. It tells the story and deals with all the background stuff. Not a lot, not a lot of people have issues with that base games and that kind of thing, but I think they've done a really good job on this one. There's still a lot of like at the table stuff going on, which I think is very important for these kind of games. You don't want it to just all be done by the game app effectively, but uh, yeah. So as you play, uh, the app sort of controls the actions and sort of takes you on your quests and things like that, and resolves all your combats and things. But then the dark tower in the center Mm-hmm. Uh, you throw skulls into it and they land in different areas of the board and then different sections of the uh, tower light up and you have to remove sections of it that will reveal glyphs that tell you what bad stuff's going to happen in different areas and that kind of thing as well. So it's a really fun game where I think they've taken the essence of the original and sort of revamped it and brought it back to the tabletop mm-hmm. um, for for a modern audience, which I think is really fun. Uh, the game itself uh, comes with a whole bunch of stuff in the core set. You've got a whole bunch of heroes to play as. Um, the the enemies and stuff are represented by cards and cardboard chits. Uh, although the expansions that they've also got that are available for retail include the Dark Horde, mm-hmm. which replaces all of the card tokens with miniatures. They're all done very similar to the heroes that you see there, where they're plastic that's been given an ink wash to them. Um, so it sort of like brings out the details in them, which I think is just a really nice little additional touch, I think. Uh, and you could probably just play the game with the models like that if you really wanted to. Yeah. I'm still a fan of cardboard chits myself mm. uh, because that's a lot of models. <laughs> uh, but they range from kind of around sort of like, I'd say like 20 mil for some of the heroes and stuff mm-hmm. through to like a really massive like giant, as you can see on the left of that image there as well. So uh, some pretty epic stuff in there as well. Uh, there's also a second expansion, which is the Alliances expansion. It adds in two new heroes, as you can see there, as the Arkwright, and I can't remember the name of the next one. It'll be further down when I see the image. There you go, the Haunted Recluse. Uh, and this also adds in a couple of additional mechanics as well. So you can play around with um, sort of working with the various uh, guilds within the game in order to garner more support that you then use to take on the bosses and the other enemies in the game as well. Um, it's a pretty innovative innovative, innovative game, <laughs> which yes. uh, removes, it's been so long since I've done this, you see, uh, which removes dice from the equation as well, which is always <laughs> nice. Uh, and things are done based on the amount of units you have at your command, and you spend those in order to resolve cards in the game. Uh, and so, and the more you, the more units you spend, the less effect the card that you're fighting will have on you. So, for example, if you encounter a bunch of wolves in the wild, for example, if you spend nothing on it, then you're going to lose a whole bunch of stuff and you'll maybe lose items and that kind of thing. The more units you spend on that from your sort of gang of mercenaries, the less effect that card will have until you just defeat it and it will remove and you'll move on to the next one and stuff. So it's a really nice system that they've put a lot of effort into. And um, while it's a little bit of a gimmick, I think, in, in, in regards to the tower and all that kind of thing, I think it's definitely one of those that you should definitely give a shot at. So if you see this at a convention or something maybe there'll be some of maybe there'll be people playing this at uh, uk games expo uh it's definitely one to go and check out i think um really it's good very interesting I, yeah. I assumed whenever they were bringing it back out again that it would just be a straight straight rerun of it essentially mm-hmm. you know here, here it is again but with updated components and, and graphics but they've yeah. it's not just the the original rules then it, they've yeah, taken yeah. in a different yeah, they've, they've added like another spin to it. Yeah. Like they, they do this with a lot of the stuff. Like they did the same with Unmatched, mm-hmm. which was based off, uh, I think they originally did it with like Star Wars models back in the day. They've sort of bought that back and redone that and reskinned it to cover a whole bunch of different genres. They did the same thing with Fireball Island, although I think that was more or less very similar to the original release, which is a big, huge plastic gaudy set with little marbles that rolled around and all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, good Restoration good. Games have done some really good stuff and uh, 
It's nice to see this yeah. going to retail as well. So, Does yeah. look interesting. I imagine. I imagine there was a retailer pledge for the Kickstarter anyway, so people. Yeah, you, you might be able to find may, it in your stores. Yeah, you too. may actually be able to get it before they find a, an actual retailer. So, uh, yeah. might be worth checking that out, or even um, going having a look at the Kickstarter and see what people are saying in the comments, because you may find answers in there as well. Yeah, terrific stuff. Sticking with old, uh, in this case, uh, we're going to be sticking with some old school comic book action. Uh, with more releases coming for Slain or Slania uh, from Rebellion and Warlord Games. And this is the upcoming Wave. So Wave 2 releases, they're not due for another couple of months, but they've previewed and stuck them up on pre-order, and there's a lot coming. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with Slania, uh, he is a blend of Irish-slash-Celtic mythology meets Conan the Barbarian. Uh, who sometimes time travels, depending on how he's feeling. That is the comics. There's 40-odd years of them. There's a lot to be going on with. Uh, it'd be difficult to explain it all right now, uh, but they have been... They've been <laughs> really <laughs> exciting new things. Um, so the second wave, we've already got a lot of the the Druins and the Wild Men and some Fomorians for the, the first wave. Uh, this time around, we get some more esoteric bits and pieces so things like the uh, cauldron of blood which uh, serves multiple functions in the uh, the comics one is you can chuck your old warriors who are dead into it and it will resurrect them and you can push them back out into the fight very handy when you're being invaded by sea people uh, but the other thing is it's also like a doorway um to one of the morrigan's realms where her son lives um and he also hoards one of the um magic items that sloan needs to get his hands on to become high king of ireland so you know if you've uh if you've got a coup you can chuck him in there in a diving suit and send him off to get the stone of destiny back <laughs> out for you which i've noticed they haven't actually um they haven't got a tiny echo yet in a diving suit and i really want it because he looks so cute in the comics it's like a little green gnome hat with big eyes <laughs> it's very it's very weird i reckon it will be coming they've done oh. some weird they've done they're doing some weird stuff for it now so i yeah. imagine there will be something in the oh, future oh god yeah why not here we have l women and uh elfric uh so the l are from the l worlds which are parallel dimensions slash worlds to us so these are if you think dark L's and light L's gives you kind of an <laughs> idea. They're, but they're more like demonic humans rather than right. actual straight off elves um, with various abilities. One of the light L's that uh, Sloan and his friends meet is uh, Pulk, which is a big kind of three eyed blobby monster thing. So, you know, they're not just the standard here's an elf and here's an elf that's a bit more vicious. Um, <laughs> really nice, nice looking sculpts that really capture the, the, images from the comics as well that's the what the l set i do enjoy the puns the punnage is very good and then we have uh how do you think that's pronounced there ben the the the, the bar the bar the bar <laughs> bave the bave oh right of course of course of course that's what i'm saying <laughs> Like, I should have uh, I should have gone like a, I should have thought about that because you know you've got like Siobhan and all that kind of thing I should have oh yeah, yeah just yeah just start removing letters like French cover half the letters and then don't pronounce them yes. um but a trio of warrior women to throw up against uh whoever might be coming 
you know, sometimes uh, people get out of hand and they need to be slapped back. I'm down. loving the haircuts. The haircuts are amazing. The, hair, the haircuts <laughs> are awesome. And again, but very, very close to the um, the actual illustrations. Now, obviously, it's a 40-year-old comic that's still running and has had multiple artists. So sometimes they go in and give them a bit of a revamp or an artist will draw it in another style. Um, so things like the Fomorians here, so the, the Sea Devils, they are very definitely um, of a, of a, a oh, I can't remember the artist's name. It's not, it might be Glenn's. Anyway, there, there's an artist who drew them like this, but then later on they were done again by Simon Bisley for the Horned Rat, um, Horned Rat, Horned God. That's, that's the earlier India of the week freaking me out now, where they look <laughs> more human right. um, rather than the strange. I like, this, of, I like the see, monstrous I, style. I like yeah. the monstrous one much better. Yeah. Um, because they, they kind of just look like human with big sharp teeth. Um, and occasionally you'll hit one that is a bit more fish-like. But for the Fomorians, I think that's the way to go. They'd be fun to paint as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like a, fun with the light blue, green. The armor then add like a little bit of verdigris to it as well and that kind mm. of thing as well. would be nice. Yeah, just, rust and stuff. Just mix it all up. Mm. And there's uh, look, more drones. Everybody likes half-dead drones. Unlike the resurrected... Um, Celts from earlier, these these may or may not be still alive, but just on their way out. The uh, the druns <laughs> the druns are an unusual cult uh, where death and decay is very much order of the day. So, I mean, they may just be malnourished and uh, and plagued they're, they're past their way. best before date. Yeah, very much yeah. so. Um, but again, really nice miniatures. If I had one criticism of them, they're cast using. Um, Seocast, yeah, yeah that, that style of technology. So they're they're quite flat because mm -hmm. um, they're one one part sculpts. Uh, in some cases, it's more noticeable than others. Yeah, uh, but I like these. I like the wild beasts. Not sure where the porcupines come from. I was I, I, I said in the I said in I said in the uh, the news story for this. I was like I don't like I get why the others are vicious. But then I was like, why is the porcupine? And then I'd be like, oh, well, I'll probably end up with spines in my ass if I tried to fight one of these. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll be stuck everywhere. Unless yeah. you're a honey badger, you're not coming out of that without yeah. uh, without a massive spiking. Uh, I like, it's I'd nice like to, to see. I was going to say, I like to think that because it's a uh, like a fantasy porcupine, it's probably got like a massive distended jaw that can eat you or something. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fascinating to, to see where they're going and the fact that they always seem to be at least currently, they're they're following the sort of the triptych of Fomorians, uh, Earth Cult, and then the Druins. So they haven't just gone well. Here's here's two factions to begin with. They've added the third in, and they're keeping them up um, fairly evenly as well. They've packed Rhesus. it out quite nicely in short order as well, yeah. which is quite good. So, yeah. Well, you will have to wait a little while for those to come. Well, yes. I want to say they're 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 shipping like end of June or so, so it's like a month or so away before they come. I can't honestly remember. I I know I seen it on the pre-orders when I was looking at it, so there's a little while, but it gives people a chance to get in there and uh, pick up. It's a lot of people in the projects playing uh, Slain, so yeah. An, an awful lot of people seem to have jumped on board with it. They're mm. obviously fans of the the comics, and uh, it's nice to see. It's nice to see miniatures coming out to do it justice. Game, as and you well. can watch our Let's Play as well if you want to find out more about it. So. Yeah, um, there there may even be more of those Let's Plays coming as soon as we Ooh. manage to. Uh, I think we may just need to hardwire monster energy drinks into Justin to give him uh, enough hours in the day to uh, to edit everything <laughs> for us. But, you know, that's one way of doing it anyway. But, yeah, uh, who's up next then? 
Uh, so next up, we're sticking with the uh, realm of fantasy, but something that's new, uh, or at least coming soon. Uh, so at the beginning of June, Black Sight Studios, who do a lot of work creating fascinating and interesting skirmish games, mm-hmm. are going to be bringing us their diceless fantasy skirmish war game called Yafsiga, which I think is a really cool name. Uh, as they said in their live stream for this, they hope it doesn't mean anything rude. They Googled it and it doesn't. <laughs> but it, it's probably like the unpronounceable word that you shall not name in, well, yeah. in some forgotten country. Uh, but anyway, so Yassiga is going to be a skirmish game in the sort of advent of traditional skirmish games, uh, where it's a small model count game, maybe sort of like four or five figures per side. Played out in, and I think this is really cool, on a two-by-two two board. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, when they're playing their games, it comes on three by four, four by four, that kind of thing. They have really embraced this idea of very small, concentrated games, dense terrain, you know, as you can see there, four or five buildings per per board that really pack it out, lots of additional bits and pieces in there. And then the game itself, it's played out again, like a typical skirmish war game. It's a two-player affair, although they have said that they're going to be throwing some things in there for maybe playing multiplayer scenarios as well in the future, mm-hmm. uh, where you use poker cards in order to resolve all of the uh, sort of actions you do, the damage mm-hmm. you do, and all that kind of thing as well. And also the activation of the different characters. So it's all tied into things like, as you can see there, like an ace for your leader, and then king, queen, jack, and stuff for your different characters as well when they activate, which I think is really cool. Um, they do go into a lot more detail as to how the um, mechanics work in this video, so I would I would highly recommend watching it. The first sort of like, I think it's 30 minutes to 40 minutes is then basically giving an overview of what Yafsiga is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that it's a game world where it was a, almost a traditional fantasy world in many regards, a little bit slightly, slightly more on the grim, more authentic, realistic st- side of things. Uh, when a big magical event happens, as it often does, uh, and now a huge section of this fantasy world has been overtaken by this weird, glittering, beautiful light and cosmic energy uh, that has sort of turned and twisted everything within it. Uh, And so what the different warbands and countries and factions are doing is they're heading into this strange cosmic entity in order to find secrets and reclaim portions of it for their empire and that kind of thing. Um, So it's a game that's very much based on the idea of sort of grim darky stuff mm-hmm. but with a really nice sort of weird kind of 70s 80s uh, uh the disco is the wrong word psychedelic would probably be the right way yeah psychedelic yeah. twist i think is really cool yeah. i think that is yeah <laughs> based on the cover there yeah exactly. see to me the the cover image looks like it's a it's you're going to open that and you're going to see like furniture designs that ikea never went with yes you know yeah. Yeah. all the works. monsters are named after ikea things yes yeah. <laughs> it would explain the name yeah um but so the, yeah the game looks really good so far the miniatures they've been designing for them are looking really nice as well again sort of going for that kind of grim uh realistic aesthetic mm-hmm. but then tying in some sort of fancy elements at the same time it's got a, like a real uh like elden ringy dark souls feel to it i mm. think which is quite nice Again, where the game has got that very grounded sense to it when it comes to the arms and armor, but then there are always weird cosmic stuff thrown in at the side at the same time. Yeah. Um, this is just a couple of the different minches they've been working on at the moment. Uh, they're going to come out alongside the, the game when it releases in June. But the big thing they've said is that you don't have to use these um, as they used in the in the demo game. Uh, the game has been designed to be miniature agnostic. So if you have 28 to 32 yeah. mil models, you can use whatever you want. Basically, basically. 
Beckley sculpts from Claymore casting there. Yes. <laughs> Quite a few of them. Yeah. I know is that. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a really fascinating looking game. Uh, yeah. I'm always up for more people doing fun skirmish game ideas. Uh, I like the idea that it's diceless, moving away to a slightly more uh, card-based feel for the game. They have said that that kind of adds another layer of strategy to things because mm-hmm. with dice, you've always got the element of randomness to it and you can mitigate things as much as you like, but it's still the role of a dice. With this, there can be, and they have said this has come up in playtesting, a little bit of like a card counting thing. Mm-hmm. So as you go through different turns in the game, you have like, ah, there's only a certain amount of cards in my deck that will allow me to do certain things. So if you're playing from a slightly more gamey, competitive side of things, you can always bring that into the uh, into effect as well, which I think is really yeah, fun. You, but, uh, yeah. you can sit there going, I know three of the four aces exactly, are yeah. done and dusted, yeah. so I'm less likely to run into that. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, just one yeah. step away from uh, Dustin Hoffman for gaming <laughs> exactly, then. Yeah. Uh, I will say as well, uh, I did mention that they've got kind of like a gamey element to it as well, if you really wanted to go down that route. But the main focus for the guy who designed it was that he wanted it to be narrative and mm. tell a story. Like all the games that they created up until this point, so Don't Look Back and uh, Luna and um, the Alien one, the, uh, Into the Dark or yeah. Dark or something, whatever it's called, uh, they're all very much focused on the idea of narrative and storytelling. And this is doing exactly the same kind of thing. And I love that now uh, Black Sight are kind of created like a triumvirate of things now they have sci-fi they have horror and now they have fantasy so it's all very cool they just need to do something historical next i guess but uh, yeah oh, well you know if, if the system works well yeah. depending on how much weird and wacky stuff is in there potentially it could be used for historic anyway all you need to do is just take the wackiness out and then just play the um the standard yeah. people the standard people yeah. I, I like the um the choice to stick with a two-foot square yes there's yeah. a certain amount of immediacy to your gameplay um, when you're playing on a, a something that small yeah um, because you know you're not having to think about well i've got two turns before they reach me you're just yeah. going well they can already hit me and this move then becomes much more important you know the the opening maneuvers and, and yeah. first sort of interactions become think, uh, very very interesting i think it becomes more immediate as a hobby as well yeah. because and a YouTuber was talking about this actually this week, like space can become a premium with a lot of people. And a lot of people don't have space to have six by four boards in their homes. I, mean, yeah. I know I don't. <laughs> and so a lot of people to have a two by two square that could fit on pretty much any table. Uh, and then you've simply just got to have room for your cards and all that kind of thing. And then you're making maybe three or four pieces of terrain, building it up as you go through different scenarios couple of bits to scatter yeah. and boom away you go really so yeah, or if you already a really nice way to go if you already have three and four larger war games yeah exactly if, you know, if you're sitting yeah. with enough stuff for kings of war or whatever then potentially you've got multiple 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 tables worth mm-hmm. when you drop it down to two by two yeah. as well so yeah you can you can explore things you can do your your little villages and cities and outside in the tree line and all the rest um with a handful of items rather than having to uh break the bank and, and fill all the cupboards with your train. So yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about it more when it starts up in June as well. So yeah, yeah, we'll come back I'll to this. Look one. forward to yeah. that. Right. One final bit of news then for today. What are we looking yeah. at? Yeah. Uh, so I missed all the cool Gates Workshop news over the last couple of weeks, uh, but <laughs> uh, they are going to be releasing uh, a new set for Warhammer Age of Sigmar. So it's another one of their box sets that kind of continues the narrative and builds on things. And it uses some of the models that were previewed during the Warhammer um, 
Warhammer Fest events mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. So this is the new Echoes of Doom set. They'll be up for pre-order this weekend. Comes with the Sylvaneth versus the Skaven. Hey, look, we're getting the Skaven mm-hmm. back in there, Jerry. We, uh, so we know who's got your bell, man. Exactly. Yeah, we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on the Skaven side of things, you get a bunch of clan rats and the storm vermin. They're the uh, plastic kits that everybody mm-hmm. knows. Uh, there's the Gracier and the Screaming Bell that, again, a lot of people will be familiar with. But the new model is going to be the Deathmaster that you can see just there in the mm-hmm. centre, just in the doing his best uh, stealthy impression uh, as he hides in the units. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so a new Deathmaster, not Deathmaster Snitch, unfortunately. Um, He's, he's long gone, uh, but yeah, uh, he's back in spirit. Uh, you've also then got the Sylvanus side of things as well, uh, where they get to draw on uh, a whole bunch of new models, actually. So this is kind of going with that vibe where Games Workshop kind of do, like, this side gets one new model, this mm-hmm. side gets a billion new models. Um, so for the uh, Sylvanus, you get the Lady of Vines, who was the new model that uh, they showcased during Warhammer Fest alongside the Gosnamid archers that you see there at the bottom with the kind of beetles beetles latched onto their backs, sort of lifting them into the air to do their their shootings. Uh, You've also then got the Kurnoth hunters, which I think some of the coolest models they've ever done. Really, really awesome. Uh, And then the tree man as well, which a lot of people will be familiar with. Um, So yeah, if you're looking to maybe bulk up an existing army uh, for Mm. Warhammer Age of Sigma, or maybe start out with some, a couple of new armies, then maybe share this with a friend. as well as that, uh, Warcry is going to be getting an update very soon, and that means new box sets and all that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, to that end, they've also re-released some of the older models that were available with one of the last box sets. Uh, so um, if you are uh, going to look to dive into the Varanite mines, you'll be able to pick up the new Dark Oath Savages that have been reboxed for you to use in Warcry. Uh, alongside the Tarantulos Brood as well. So you've got your spidery cults and your sort of more standard Chaos Barbarian Marauders as well. Um, again, really like what they did with Warcry, sort of building on the different Chaos Cults and stuff. Uh, it kind of adds a lot more flavor to that kind of undivided feel to Chaos. Mm. Uh, sort of steps away from it just being about Corn and Zench and Nurgle and Slanesh and that kind of thing, which is always nice. Well, we're, we're fairly certain we know who they support anyway. Well, yes. But yeah, <laughs> well, these are, I'd say those are more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, I uh, definitely think so. Yeah. yeah. Poor spider people. <laughs> Apparently, they graft their spider bits onto their bodies to make them more like spiders, which sure. is a really cool thing. Why not? So, yeah. yeah. What what better way to show your appreciation for your spider god than by killing their spiders and sticking them to yourself? Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's really what you want. No, to no. Say. These these spiders fell off the tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So you've got those two uh, new warband sets alongside two new terrain sets as well. So these again kind of take the terrain from the last box set and put them out as individual sets. So you've got the uh, Pit Dredger Camp and the Varanite Siphon Camp as well. Um, so if you want to get your hands on those terrain pieces, you can indeed do so. And everyone knows, well, everyone who's read some of the lore, uh, is that Varanite is very good for turning people into gods. So maybe you'll be uh, picking this up to turn yourself into a god in Age of Sigma. Right, it's like cool. Warpstone, so we tell me. Yeah. That's what Marathi used to turn into, into a god in uh, Age of Sigma. So, so yeah, it is basically Warpstone. Yeah, so. just just eat the green rock, say nothing. I exactly. Yeah. There you go. That I think wraps us up for another week's worth of news. Boom. Yeah. We shall take a quick swish, and when we come back, we'll be looking at some Kickstarters and 3D printing. Okay, we're back, and we're going to take a look at some 3D printing. Free set a very high bar last week, Ben. I'm not saying that you're going to have to really pitch high on this one, 
would feel like a massive failure, but it was good. It's very good. I'm going to fill out the massive failure box on my With that in mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so who are we going to be looking at this week? Uh, so this week, we're going to be looking at someone that uh, you wouldn't necessarily have thought would be doing 3D printing. Me? Uh, Spectre, well, oh, this is Jerry Miniatures. <laughs> uh, squirrel, squirrel Miniatures. Squirrel Miniatures. Yeah. Uh, Spectre Miniatures uh, are well known for Spectre Operations, mm. their game, and their extensive metal collection uh, that's uh, not of albums, of miniatures, mm. uh, that are used for fighting out modern warfare-style conflicts on the tabletop. Mm-hmm. Well, they, over the last couple of, I'd say the last year or so, have started to dabble in different techniques and different sculpting methods. A lot of the stuff originally was hand-sculpted. Mm-hmm. Then they started moving over to doing um, 3D design work and that kind of thing, and that's a, a sort of found its way into their collection as well. And now they've decided to take the next step and move towards creative digital miniatures through Patreon. Hence, 3D printing is the shears. Um, They are very new to the idea of Patreon and this kind of system. And so they are working with their community at the moment in order to find the right balance of what they offer per month. Although the way that they've been looking to do it is that they're going to be doing one month where they do a single figure. Mm -hmm. And then the next month, they'll do a squad. So the idea is that they will cycle through this to create different specialists and then different squads of specialists to kind of uh, keep an interesting sort of tempo going uh, across the uh, across the year and stuff, which I think is really cool. That makes sense. Um, their main focus, uh, like they've created a whole bunch of amazing modern warfare style miniatures over the last however many years uh, with all sorts of different kit and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things is that um, to create some of the slightly more esoteric pieces, yeah. it would cost a lot of money to create those in metal only for maybe a limited run. Yeah, three people then, to buy them. For exactly, yeah. yeah. And so what they're trying to do with the Patreon is that they are going to create those slightly more esoteric miniatures with the unique kit and the unique weapons and different um, styles and stuff uh, so that you can then print them off at home and then add them into your force. So if you wanted to get like the particular sniper that they've created for the first month, then you can do that. Mm-hmm. And then that can just be slightly into your army, have you like, uh, and they've not had to worry about metal and all that kind of stuff and, and that kind of process. So I think it's a really nice way for them to be using modern techniques in order to reinforce what they already do, which I think is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have been, one of the, one of the big challenges they faced was that a lot of people were like, well, why would I back this if I could back a, a Patreon that does gives me 40 models per month or something? Yeah. And then they came back with, well, we're new to this. <laughs> yeah. And also they were like, if you play Spectre, you know you don't need 40 models. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is that you would just be pledging for stuff that you'd need to play your game, which I think is a, a, a good way of yeah, doing the, things. Just, the fact uh, that it could go into other games is yeah. neither here nor there. Um, yeah. they're, they're designing stuff based on the company. Weirdly, we had a chat about that in last week's um, Cult of Games show about... Talking about 3D printing, yeah. 3D printing and, and yeah. about the value of it um because the, there are people who i think they only back i don't even know if they print the stuff out it's like well, it's it's only x dollars a month and i get a amount of models and they just sit there and stockpile files upon files upon files without ever actually producing anything um at the end of the day uh, but yeah I, I like the idea of them cycling through as well where i know a few patrons that started and it was here's what you're going to get every month and then they're struggled to maintain it you know so you're hitting the second week of the month before they finally get previews up and then people uh, because people 
are uh, about where's my previews, <laughs> where's this, where's that. And you're going, the whole point of this is, is you know, to, get, to, not to develop them. new things <laughs> and to get stuff out there. And, yeah. and it, by swapping between a squad and a miniature and a squad and a miniature um, individually means they, they don't have the pressure then yeah. of having yeah. to get a new squad out every every four weeks or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. So that's that's fascinating. What, what, one of the other nice things they've said is that they, they want to try and offer things that aren't just miniatures-based as well. So obviously you've got patrons out there that create uh, written content and all that kind of thing as well. So one of the things they wanted to do is they wanted to try and provide backers with scenarios that they can play uh, based around the, the miniatures that they create and stuff, which I think is a really nice idea. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of print the model and then just go straight into playing the game with it either digitally on your ta- on your on a tablet or something, or just print off the the world yourself. Just dive straight into the game. They also they want to try and look at doing um, sort of mods to Spectre. Uh, so Spectre is like a really cool game that's like very in depth, really cool sort of low model count with like an elite force against a slightly more numerous enemy. In most cases, you often have a GM that's in control of the action as well, which I think is really nice. They have been talking about making a World War II mod for this. So you'd play as a squad of elite mm-hmm. World War II soldiers, so like SAS or something, yeah. uh, going in to do sort of missions behind enemy lines and things, a little bit like 0200 hours and that kind of yeah. stuff, which is fed out at the moment as well. So I think every, that's really on the zeitgeist at the moment, I think. Um, but yeah, it's just really fun to see them doing stuff that isn't just model-based as well. So um, obviously this, these kind of things are coming down the pipeline, yeah. um, but it's, it's so this is something to kind of keep your eye on, I think. And if you are already a fan of Spectre and the game that they create operations, then I think this is one to go maybe go and have a look at. Because maybe if you don't, have a 3D printer yourself, you'll probably know someone who does. Uh, and if that's within your circle of friends that play Spectre and that kind of thing, then you can maybe work together to get these things printed off and start adding them into your games and playing them at home. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because they started doing the uh, the STLs. Yeah, as, terrain as and that kind terrain of thing. Terrain and, yeah. and generic little bits mm-hmm. for whether it happens to be scatter or whatever. Bins are always good. Everybody likes big wheelie bins around the back <laughs> of the place. Also, the, the Hesco barriers are great. Surprisingly, uh, surprisingly useful in a whole slew of um, theatres as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. Interesting to see, and I assume this is the very first month. Then, yes, it is. Yeah. This. So, if, yeah. if people are unaware mm-hmm. of their moderns, now's a good time to to jump in, especially when they're they're talking about um, engaging with the community to see what they want to develop next, and that. yeah, and that's a, a good way to go about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I say, I think that that's a big part of this. It's just selling out, and if you want to help out with kind of decision making and all that kind of thing, then you know back the Patreon and become one of the people that sort of influences where they go next and stuff. So, so yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, I imagine even if you're not a big three um, D printer, it's not a particularly large amount per month. Uh, but if you're a Spectre player, you could, uh, yeah, for three three quid a month. You can get involved just to keep an eye on what's going on, which means yeah. then you'll you'll have access to the um, the game materials, even if you're not planning on actually printing off any of the STLs themselves. Yeah. So yeah, that is uh, very interesting and right on the cusp. Very wee, but good. <laughs> I like it. It's nice to see more like modern. <laughs> nice to see more modern stuff coming from uh, Spectre Miniatures as yeah. well. Did you win one of our prizes? Find out on our prize claim centre over at ontabletop.com. Here we list all our previous prizes and those who have won. If you see your username, fill out the form to claim your prize. 
All prizes must be claimed within 30 days. Okay, uh, we will dive into some Kickstarters. And because we had such a little, tiny little 3D printy bomb, we're doing three this week, although yes. they're all still relatively teeny tiny as well. Um, we're going to be kicking off our first Kickstarter uh, with a game that I actually got to play with Paul, one of our community members, uh, Steel Coliseum. Uh, so this is Zatu's first game. Uh, up until now, Zatu have been a publisher or distributor, rather, instead of a publisher. Um, and this is uh, Needy Cat Games' redesign of sort of Robot Fight Club. And they've gone with a very, I'm going to say, 80s punk aesthetic yes. on everything. Yeah. Everything is so bright and poppy. So bright, <laughs> so poppy. Look at those colors. Uh, but the idea is you um, take control of essentially a controller for one of these giant robots fighting out in an arena um, to batter seven shades of armor plating off your opponent. Um, <laughs> uh, there's some interesting bits and pieces of the mechanic, apart from the fact that you can steal the armor off people and run off. Um, there's like a drafting system behind the game, and that goes for every part of it. So you start off with the pilot. Now, if you're just playing a basic game, the pilot doesn't make a difference. But the pilot cards on the back then have their own unique operator abilities. So the operators have a, a, a influence on how the, the bots actually activate and move and, and special abilities that they can do. Then there are the, the big robots themselves um, that come in at various tonnage. I like him with his giant Magnus. Magnetron is awesome. Um, but they're draftable as well. But then also your upgrades are all draftable. So when you're starting a game, the first thing you do is, you know, is there a specific robot that you want to use? Because in that case, you may want to grab that first. Um, oh, there's, there's me. Hello, me. Uh, <laughs> so you may want to grab the robot first, or if there's a particularly decent piece of kit that you want to use, and it doesn't matter what robot it's going to go on because you know that that and your play style will make it worthwhile, then maybe you might want to grab that before your opponent gets it because you don't know what's going to be coming out there and you play like a best of three rounds as well. Um, so what you have and what you have available to buy for scrap uh, changes between rounds. So you may find that you might not see that card again if it's bought. Uh, so it's it's a really interesting combination of drafting and then the game itself plays out very quickly on a very small uh, board section that you're constantly changing between battles so it's all about getting the scrap and knocking the scrap off your opponent because they don't get to repair in between uh, so you may find that you're having to use the scrap that you've picked up rather than buying new items to actually just repair your robots to make sure that they've got a chance because uh, if they've got knocked off the back of them it makes them very weak and vulnerable and there's only so much you can do hugging a wall in the game um, so yeah, it's it's a fascinating, fascinating game, uh, and really, really enjoyable to play. Um, simply because of all of those choices in there, I really like the the fact that they have a myriad of draft options in there. And normally, when you're playing something like this, you know, you're you're going, well, I'm going to have this robot, I'm going to have that. They've got kind of two heavy, couple of mediums, and like one super light, but they've all got their own unique, quirky little. Um, benefits and actions that they can do so one of the lightest ones here 
the parkour robot. I can't remember its name, unfortunately. But you notice it's got two little weedy arms on one side. But if it uses that as an action, it can double punch and actually spin oh, cool. your opponent 90 degrees in that direction, leaving them then open for somebody else to come in and shoot them in the behind. So if you are hugging a wall, you, you know, you've got to deal with that. Um, the dog-like robot gets to harvest, run off and, and pick up and play fetch with scrap, fetch. Yeah, yeah. things like that. <laughs> and, uh, and Juggernaut has got a massive spinny body, so he can just whirlwind, like me fighting a uh, wasp. Spinning, I, I, I really liked the thing uh, you mentioned and stuff, and, and you've, we've seen it in gameplay and things where, like, between the rounds, you spend the scrap to like upgrade and change mm. things. So, if something's not particularly working, you'd be like, okay, so how do I counter this? I'll buy this upgrade and that kind of thing. But then yeah. you can never be you can never be sure what upgrades are going to be available if you buy because of the way that the deck is created and constructed. So, you always have to be thinking about things in the moment. Which I think make keeps like a really nice pace to the game, which is really cool. So yeah. yeah, I mean, when you're doing the draft at the start, you may just go, you know what, I've got the robots I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hang on to the scrap I've got and not bother because mm-hmm. they all come with a standard, standard attack of their that's unique to them anyway, and they they have. If you're playing with the operator ability as well, then it doesn't really matter. Shiva zero, that's it. They fetch. Um, it doesn't matter what way you're you're playing. But if you've got a little pile of scrap sitting beside you, even if you, you know, just about win or come out on top or take a bit of a hiding, you're probably in a much better position for the second round compared to your opponent who may have blown all their cash reserves on whatever bits and pieces they want to have in advance. And there's something great about putting jump jets on something the size of Juggernaut and flying them over a wall in the middle of the arena when your opponent isn't expecting it. Uh, I just really like the idea of sticking jets on him. Um, but otherwise, he can just trundle his way up and plant people quite happily. Ah, Shiba Zero. That's that's what their little fetchy dog was called. Uh, but yeah, the, the idea behind being able to upgrade between games um, as well as upgrade at the start means you've got an awful lot of choices. If you just want to go for something wacky like sticking jump jets on Juggernaut and being able to... <laughs> fly over the top of walls in the middle of the game you can do that or you can just i'm going to be like a bumblebee then yeah just like eh. or just sto- <laughs> stockpile all of your your scrap to give you benefits in going into the second or you know, cool. third game yeah. if you need to i mean the, there's a lot of replayability in there even with the the initial core set i really like the um the way they have the the board set out as well i don't know if this is going to be the final production for the board uh or if they're planning on doing anything else with it um because at the moment it's it's got such a poppy retro style to it that it may come off as a bit busy for some people um i think it looks i think it's good i think it looks good but if we do that that might be a better impression stop (laughs) anyway stop the spin are you going to focus on anything at any stage or are you just going to keep spinning until i get nauseous there we are. We are going to stop the spinning. It's Neil Buchanan. <laughs> there you go. There is the uh, the game board. So the, the little scrap tokens move around, and then you've got ah, these okay, blue right. power-up bits. Yeah. And when you go over a power-up bit, then you get to activate bits on your card. So that may be a bit busy for people. I don't mind it. It has a very distinct graffiti look. You know, an 80s graffiti or uh, 90s electro funk look to everything. So it's great to see all of the poppy colors. Um, 
I don't know how well that will clash for other people. But you've got the potential then to play two player or three or even four player games as well. So you can you can really change up how things go and if you're playing with multiplayer, so if you're playing two V one, um then the the way the, the decks are constructed and you play out your turns changes slightly as well. So um you get benefits for having less cards but you're able to cycle them more easily uh compared to your uh, your opponents in that respect so they've nitty have done a, a great job in putting yeah, the, uh, the rules set together and it's it's nice to see zatu um reaching out, out to them yeah. and essentially just going you know what we'd love to see this game actually out there there's relay relay who you have to by law say parkour every time really parkour. jump something parkour. Parkour. <laughs> it's all good uh but yeah uh, fascinating game and uh, i like the fact that they haven't gone out of the way to go this is all symmetrical you know we don't have two lights and two mediums and two heavies that are all equally matched they're all distinct robots and then regardless of what operator you're going to stick behind it it changes up massively how the game plays out as well yeah it's a really neat way of doing it so there's 18 days left on that and uh if you want to jump into some robot battles remember the first rule of steel coliseum is to always talk about steel coliseum but only in binary but only as you say in binary discuss Uh, our second game that is coming to kickstarter or it's actually on kickstarter is from themeborn and this is strike hq which engage the hellmart theme fascinating little game (laughs) kind of yeah Yeah, oh very much so Uh, the guys from themeborn uh john and tom were over uh i got to play with them and when we were they were teaching me the game beforehand. He just had all of the Command and Conquer music playing on his phone <laughs> when we were playing this. Uh, and there's a very valid reason, even though this is a World War II game, it is developed to play like uh, an RTS video game, but on the tabletop. Uh, so you have two factions facing off against each other. In this case, it's Axis and Allies. Um, but you have to construct your base to bring stuff in and then attack your opponent um and the first person to destroy the other person's base wins and that in itself is always good for a laugh because there's so many different ways you can do it up to and including dropping a nuclear bomb uh, on them which is just auto win if you can get a <laughs> if you can get an atomic bomb dropped then you are the victor however that is not as easy as it sounds uh and this is i think the they keep changing card game terms. When I was a kid, it was just a card game. I believe this is an expandable card game. So That's how I thought of it, or living card game, I guess, because you know what's going to be in the other packs, I guess. So Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not blind buys or anything like <laughs> yeah, that. The, yeah. the standard game um, and expansion come with a set number of cards. Uh, and then afterwards, if you want to do deck building, you're doing it within what cards are available. Uh, but... It's it's a fascinating way they've got it working. So if you haven't seen our Let's Play, and you really should see our Let's Play, because um, I love fun. fun. There's a lot, there's fun a lot of giggling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> John gets very nervous. I think it'd be good to play poker against him. Uh, what can I say? Um, but essentially, you have a setup where you have a, a hand of cards in fact, you have two decks of cards, a support card, and, and then sort of a, a recruit card. And here you can see the deployment. So on each side, you've got 
your headquarters, which your opponent is aiming to kill, and then you can travel between Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, and Echo locations. And so by taking and holding these objectives, you get the supplies you need to recruit or to build. But you only have a limited number of things you can do per turn. So you're currently limited to four. Now that could be four moves or it could be four builds, or it could be four recruits, or it could be any combination in there, uh, depending on how you want to go about doing it, which means you've got um, a little amount of time at the start. You can see us giggling away. Look at us giggle, <laughs> giggly giggle peoples. Uh, you've got a, a set amount of time. I suggest that they put egg timers in these just to, to really ratchet up the tension um, because you fill in your little board blind both set them down and then you reveal them at the same time. And when you reveal them, then you go about playing out in initiative order, whether that happens to be recruiting uh, or bringing new things in. And in most cases, they are hidden until your opponent gets a position where they can actually see them, either by moving in to take the objective or to, to battle them or by sending recon planes in. So you could send a recon plane to my HQ to see what I had here um, stacked up. However, if he'd arrived over here to discover that one of these was anti-aircraft, then uh, he gets ack-acked out of the sky. So yeah. it is combined arms in that you are looking at um, land, sea, and air, and you've got infantry and, and armor, uh, but you're also building up your, your forces while at the same time trying to protect them. Now, unlike RTSs, where you must have a barracks to produce men, uh, they don't have that. Instead, you can always produce your men, your vehicles, your ships and subs. However, if they get killed, they can't be replaced unless you happen to have an airfield or a naval dockyard or a barracks or a, a, a tank uh, construction plant. So you have to sort of gear up at the, the same point where you're, um, you're trying to launch attacks because if you spend so much time base building, you'll find that you've not got the reserves because your opponent's taken half of the board. Whereas if you push off too early, like I may or may not have done in some games, uh, you can take an awful lot of objectives very quickly, but then you leave yourself hamstrung because you don't have the defenses back at your base and all your opponent has to do is keep chipping away at that and it's good night Vienna. So it's a, a very a very quick game to play through, very quick game to pick up, but immense fun. Um, uh, no, no spoilers, but uh, Jerry's phrase was, they know what they signed up for. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> but the, I they, wonder why he said that. They, they may have known what they signed up for. Some of them may have been drafted, but however, say la vie. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating idea because I've never seen yeah, anybody really attempting fun, to yeah. approach an RTS on the uh, the tabletop before. I think Legends of Sigdom is probably the only other game that kind of tries to play with that idea. Yeah, and um, that's only for the, yeah. the campaign version yeah. for... Well, actually, no, yeah, no, Legend, because I'm thinking of Fantasy Commander, the smaller But this version. actually properly plays out the the movement of things, the fog of war, yeah. the developing of bases, having to do things at the same time. Because I love what, as I think it was Thomas was saying, like, whenever things revealed and then things happen, it feels like you're having to do all the different things that you'd have to do in RTS at once, yeah. where your troops are attacking one place and you're having to drag and select and send someone over there. And then you're also building a barracks at home and that kind of thing. So, yeah, and cool. Another interesting thing is because you're doing that, and like I said, we weren't playing with a timer, but we were, you know, we were trying to play it in relatively sharp order. So you're going, okay, well, I want to go move the unit from A to B and then move the unit from A to C. 
but you have to arrange your battle groups top to bottom in the stack. So if you panic or get things slightly out of order, you can look at your stuff as much as you want. All you're doing is, you know, burning your own time. But you hit that point where you you go, okay, and my next move is uh, to echo. I did flip the card and it's the wrong one. And now you've sent infantry off to be annihilated by light uh, light tanks um, because yeah. you just weren't paying attention. So, so yeah, the sequencing of play within the card game as well is is very interesting. Keeps the game enjoyable as well because you're never cool. quite certain what your opponent has got face down at those things, even if you're trying to keep an eye on where bits and pieces are going. Um, and because you can spread out and base build at different objectives, it means you don't have the, all the eggs in one basket. So you can keep things further out. It just means you need to keep forces with them as well. But the further out you go, then the more prone you are to counterattack as well. Or if because in an RTS style, because you both move simultaneously, you can have trips going past each other. So we've had that where people, you, you think I'm going to go and hammer him at uh, Charlie and you go off to Charlie location and he's gone the opposite direction. He's just passed you in the street going to Bravo and uh, and all of a sudden you're left there looking very um, bemused. So yeah, I can, I can see a lot of... A lot of people getting in, involved with this, and also the fact that they can expand it in different directions if they wish. So, obviously, they're talking about one expansion already, which will then allow you to do sort of deck building within it. You'll have a set number of cards, but maybe instead of having your standard base that allows you to build five things around it and only contain 10 um, supplies, so, so like 10 energy can go in there. So, if you want to build it, an uh, atomic bomb you need 15 supplies you can't do that in a standard base without building a supply depot which takes up one of your spots but maybe you take the the card that has the 15 slot supply so you don't have to build that but it may have um, less health on it or you know, be restricted in some other way so after the initial game where you're, you're kind of going to know what your opponent's got but not how they're going to play it there then comes the option to start building custom yeah, decks and playing cool. in different ways you know playing a, an infantry and uh, or a heavy, heavy left yeah and, and you just don't know what your your opponent's going to do there so yeah i think it's a, a tremendous little game that has a lot of potential to go in a lot of different directions very over much time. so yeah they did good good iterations with the escape the dark yeah whatever games so uh yeah i hope to see more of that and the artwork from neil roberts is amazing as well so they brought, the prototype they brought over had i'm gonna say maybe half the cards had got artwork on them and they looked sensational there's obviously there's a lot more coming but also i like the idea that um you could potentially change the layout of your uh your board as well so instead of having that um seven setup so two bases and then five objectives maybe you you put on a couple of other objective cards and play a longer game where there's more variation and where things can move to like changing maps to not yes yeah. exactly <laughs> but all you're all you're doing is playing with you know five or six cards so you can play all your bases are belong to us well you know, <laughs> they belong to somebody generally i've discovered they belong to john once he's well. finished kicking my toys in in multiple <laughs> games but uh there's always time for ruwenge and one day i will have my ruwenge uh, so there are 27 days left. That's just kicked off this week. So if you fancy taking ah, a go yeah. at some uh, Red Alert style World War II action on the tabletop, then check out Themeborn Strike HQ. And last, but by no means least, Ben. Mm. 
an old we're be, friend. Yeah, we're, we're going to be finishing off with Warzone, which is being resurrected, but not that game. We're seeing Warzone Eternal walk back to the tabletop, thanks to Resnever Games and Brian Steele, who a lot of people will know worked on Dark Age and a bunch of other games as well. Wrath of Kings. Wrath of Kings, of course, yeah. Mm. Uh, so this is the officially licensed skirmish game that's coming from Resnova that allows you to dive back into the world of Warzone. As we said when we discussed this uh, a couple of months ago now, mm-hmm. uh, Brian has basically worked with Resnova in order to bring back the feel of the old school game of Warzone. So this isn't like a large scale war game, although you can obviously play with as many models as you like. Mm-hmm. The idea of this is that it's meant to be played with a low model count. Uh, sort of, you can start out with with less than ten figures, but they say that some games can expand to between ten and twenty figures. Mm-hmm. Um, the rules have been designed so that it very much enhances that kind of narrative, skirmish, almost role-play style of game that you got back in the day uh, when you play as the different mega corporations fighting for control of the tabletop, fighting over objectives and all that kind of thing as well. Uh, the game uses a action point system that is uh, sort of previewed in their rules primer that you're able to check out over on the, the Kickstarter page at the moment. It also uses alternative activations, which is always a win, where things will go back and forth between each of the different players at the tabletop. And there are also new reactions that they've added into the game mechanics as well. So if you're familiar with the kind of uh, ARO style effect that you get from Infinity, they've kind of added something that's akin to that, but not quite as open in interpretation as it is in Infinity. You know, you can do a lot of stuff within those AROs. In this, there's only a select few actions that you can do in that kind of thing. Uh, But uh, yeah, so again... Very simple and easy to play game that has been designed so that you can dive straight in and play with a a small handful of figures per side, which I think is really nice to see. Again, as I've said already in the show, like skirmishy style games are the way forward for me. I think that they're very, very cool. He says as he paints Alpha Legion for Horus Heresy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so each of the boxes uh, will come with options for you to build a whole bunch of new models. Um, They've been designed by uh, an array of different uh, creators. Um, they're not as cookie cutter as you see here on these pages, I should add. Hmm. So a lot of people have, have looked at this and gone, what, so five of my guys all look the same? No, thankfully. Uh, they all will look different. There will be options for you to build different figures. Uh, so I think most of the box sets will allow you to build between five and six unique figures for each of the warband, uh, each of the sort of teams that you create, uh, all armed with special weapons or regular weapons, however you see fit. Uh, it's really nice to see some of the more painted figures popping up, actually, as part of this at the moment. Um, it's just that when they were doing this initially and they're setting up the Kickstarter, a lot of the renders weren't ready when they yeah. were putting together the Kickstarter page. So don't worry. <laughs> You're not getting a whole bunch of the same miniature in each of these sets, which is always nice to see. Uh, but yeah, so they've all been designed uh, uh, to create sort of like the the feel and the aesthetic of the old school Warzone, but with modern techniques. Uh, again, as we discussed a couple of months ago, they've, they've kind of really sort of honed in on what made Warzone fun for a lot of people back in the day and tried to bring that back to the tabletop, which I think is quite nice. Um, they've done six of the factions, so you can play as Capital, Bauhaus, Imperial, Cybertronic, Mishima, and then Algeroth as well. Although Algeroth have three separate sets because there's like so many weird and crazy things in their set for you to play around with, which I think is quite nice. Uh, But if you don't, if you see something in here and you're like, where are my favorite figures? They are hoping that this is going to expand and grow Mm. uh, over the years. And they are going to put a lot of effort into making sure that this like really pops on the tabletop, which I think is quite nice to see. 
but yeah, I think they've managed to cover pretty much all the bases when it comes to sort of like the basics of Warzone, I yep. think. Uh, and it'll be really good to see them dive a little bit more in depth with the rules in the near future. Um, as I say, like Brian's been great on the games that he's created in the past. Uh, and he has like a real enthusiasm for Warzone, hmm. uh, which comes through in all the videos that he does. They have said they're going to be doing like a battle report video for the Kickstarter page. It may be out when you're seeing this. It may be in a couple of days. Um, so if you've looked at the rules primarily, and you're like, I want to know how this actually plays out properly, don't worry. There is a video coming from Resnova, which is going to dive into more detail. But uh, yeah, I think they've done uh, a pretty solid job with this one so far. Uh, yeah. And if you're a Warzone fanatic, as I know a lot of people are, uh, hopefully this will be a, a good way for you to dive back in and play more Warzone at the tabletop. Because... Yeah. Up until now, we, we have had miniatures games that have been and gone. Uh, obviously, Mutant Chronicles has existed from Medipius for the last couple of years, but that's obviously been more of a role-play side of things. Um, so it's nice to see the miniatures game back on the tabletop. Yes. Yeah. So, if, yeah. if people aren't aware of it, uh, of the Mutant Chronicles universe, if you think a heavily World War One inspired sci-fi, mm. you're not far off. Uh, it's not actually steampunk, even though you may see people running about the place in in pickle helms or the old tommy steel pot helmets on them um but they, it has that design and aesthetic behind it uh but yeah it's a, always an interesting one so much so that uh hellboy was in a film based on it Oops, yeah he was <laughs> not a good it, it's film. also as grim and nasty as 40k in many regards as well so <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But, but a little bit more of like a, a tongue-in-cheek comic feel to it i think as well in, in oh, yeah. times as well so yeah. very much so yeah, there's uh, there's definitely room for expansion and potential there. It, it'd be nice to see somebody taking a run at it and uh, giving it the sort of the due it's it's deserved. Because yeah. uh, I'm yeah. curious to see where they go and, and what way it takes us. I had little capital and Bauhaus force many moons ago myself. So, I had you know, Imperial I, back in the Resurrection days. Yeah. That's well, mine were the the old target the old games, led ones, ones. yeah, so, yeah <laughs> the ones yeah. that we looked at from Prince August <laughs> yeah, yeah so you know if yeah. Bauhaus Blitzers obviously yeah. awesome uh, Bauhaus mounted on um, Raptors fantastic and then you know it's it's a good way to go I will yeah, also say that um, there uh, there is just the option to pledge for the PDF mm -hmm. or the physical rulebook so if you like Jerry, have some miniatures lying around or, you know, you have a love for those old miniatures like we looked at from Prince August that you can still buy mm. and you have all those stuff out there. You can just use those old miniatures with the new game and it should be pretty, pretty, pretty on point. I mean, all the old stuff is there. You've got your blood berets and all that kind of thing. So, so yeah. Yeah, Very I think cool. the, um, they said the PDFs will also have the the cards because the the cards will come with the boxes yes. for their, their yeah. stack cards. And, like, and I've seen somebody yeah. asking, does that mean my faction won't have any rules for a year? What? No, the the plan is to have the uh, the cards yeah. out as PDFs, and then people can use what they have. Um, yeah. And, and if you get the, the the actual miniatures, then you'll have the physical cards to go with anyway. Yeah. But, the, the the idea is that the rulebook can then be evergreen in that respect. Yeah. So you'll only have to buy one rulebook. You'll then just only have to buy additional things if they update cards and that kind of stuff in the future. So. Sweet. Sweet yeah. like candy. Right. I think that wraps us up for another week. We shall we, did it. <laughs> we shall return next Friday. But if you can't wait that long, our cult of games will get to see our XLBS show on Sunday morning. Uh, if you're not already a cultist, you can come and join us. Join us. Uh with the 30-day 
free trial over on tabletop.com, uh, where we witter about hobby, what people have been up to. Tom's done stuff. Have a look at stuff that people have been paying <laughs> Yeah, we, we might go a bit all battle techie this week. Spoilers. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to come and join us for that on Sunday, feel free. And don't forget, if you want to win a copy of Marvel Champions Card Game, courtesy of the UK GE, then you need to be a subscriber to the channel and pop a comment down below as well. But until next time, take care. Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, why not hit subscribe and remember to ding our dong. Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.